Hi, welcome to the Lakeside Church Weekend Messages podcast. My name is Jacob. I'm a creative arts protege here at Lakeside, and I'm super excited that you're listening with us. I want to take a quick second to let you know how Lakeside is responding to COVID-19, also known as the coronavirus. We believe that we are called to be carriers of hope and courage during times like these, and we are also called to respect our governing bodies as Christ followers. Our government has asked us to postpone our gatherings as we respond globally to COVID-19, and so we've decided to pre-record some of our gatherings so we can still worship together at home. This feed will still only feature the message portion of the gatherings, but if you want to experience our gatherings in full while you're at home, we will be live streaming them at our normal service times on the weekends, and you'll be able to watch past weekends if you missed a gathering on our website. You can find links for these videos and updated information about everything we as a church are doing to respond to COVID-19 at lakesidechurch.com and on our Facebook page. We love you, and we are super excited to see you all again soon. Morning, Lakeside. Hope you guys are doing well this Sunday morning. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am so excited to share with you today. We are in a season where we're going to be doing several kind of one-off messages. And so today I'm going to be sharing with you about something that's been on my heart for the last several weeks, to be honest, something that I think is super important for us to talk about as we look at what our future holds and what does it mean for us as we move forward. So I wanted to share a little bit of a story with you. And this story um, begins about seven and a half years ago. On October 1st, 2012, uh, I was at church. It was a Sunday morning and I got a phone call around 8.30 and church started at nine. And it was my wife, Lauren. And she proceeded to tell me that her water had broken. And not to worry everything's fine, don't rush, but that we're going to need to go to the hospital eventually. Now, I was not a father, didn't know anything really about what to expect or what was coming. All I knew is that my wife's water had just broken and I freaked out. I packed up everything and I rushed out the door, barely saying anything to anybody to get home, to take Lauren to the hospital. I come rushing into the front door and I see that Lauren is just casually wandering around the house like nothing has happened. And I'm freaking out, like your water just broke. We need to go to the hospital. And she's completely carefree. She's not in any pain, all of this stuff. And my pulse is going crazy. So eventually we go and we get her to the hospital and we get her hooked up to all the machines and everything and ready to go. And several hours later, our son Liam was born. When Liam was born, it was one of those beautiful moments of transition and of beauty. I was holding my newborn baby boy, my first child, and I was so excited. But I wasn't really aware of what was coming next. I didn't know, never been a parent before, uh, that my life was going to change dramatically forever. And it hasn't been the same since. And I remember when we got permission to go home and take Liam home that there were all of a sudden these immediate changes that happened so quickly I didn't even realize. I was driving down the street and I was probably going 20 miles an hour in a 50 mile an hour zone. I was aware of every single bump that would come down the road and I would freak out every time I had to step on the brakes to stop for a stoplight because I had this new baby boy sitting in the back 
And I just was so scared of what was coming. I didn't even know how to drive. Then we get home and all of a sudden, everything that I once knew was different. Sleep schedule was different. All of a sudden, I'm responsible for keeping this child alive and making sure that he is well cared for and that doctor's appointments are coming. Things around my house changed. Our guest bedroom got turned into a nursery and our extra room that had my video games in them got turned into the spare bedroom and I lost that space. And all of a sudden our living room was overflowing with toys and we had all this baby stuff everywhere and life was so dramatically different than what it had been before. And there were days after Liam was born and in the months following, and and sometimes even to this day, if I'm being honest, where I look and say, oh, if I have to watch one more Pokemon show, or if I have to pick up one more Lego, why can't things be the way they used to be? It was so much simpler then. I wish that I could just go back to normal sometimes. And I think that in many ways, that is a similar scenario to kind of what we've been experiencing over the last about nine weeks. A little over nine weeks ago, we had our worlds change dramatically. Our lives have had to adapt and evolve to accommodate these differing circumstances, these things that we didn't really know about or know what to expect. Nine weeks ago, our country basically came to a standstill because of COVID-19. And within the immediate hours of, of that, as states were beginning to shut down, it was panic. Much like when my son was born, it was, do we have enough diapers? Well, all of a sudden it was, do we have enough toilet paper? It was, do we have enough food? And the grocery stores are being bombarded and people are starting to stockpile things. And, and in panic, our lives are changing. Now, it's been several weeks and and we're beginning to see some of those things ease up and some of life kind of begin to resume. We're seeing some businesses open back up and we're seeing our state parks open back up and all of these things. But we've also adapted over the last few weeks. And all of us are in different places and we're seeing things come to light that maybe we didn't see at the beginning. We're, we're seeing that people are in different places physically and emotionally and mentally and financially because of the circumstances around us. And, and oftentimes we just want to go back to normal. We just want to go back to what was. We just want to go back and, and have things be how they used to be. Because life seemed better then and life seemed like it was okay. But that's not to say that everything in this time of quarantine has been bad. There have been beautiful things that have come out. And you know what? They didn't really happen before we went into this stage. We're seeing videos of nurses and doctors and first responders being celebrated and praised and appreciated in ways that they never were before seeing beautiful videos come out of these neighborhoods where in backyards, people are exercising in their yards separate from each other, but exercising together or in apartment complexes in Italy where people are coming out on their balconies and singing songs together and finding joy in these moments. Those are beautiful things that if it weren't for this, we probably wouldn't have seen. 
And then we're seeing other things that have come out of this that are are things that we don't enjoy. We're seeing financial struggles. We're seeing emotional hardships. We're seeing loneliness skyrocket, things that lead ultimately to hurt and to brokenness. And then we're seeing some things that maybe were brought forward from what we now look back on and long for as normal and they were brought forward, but they weren't good things to be brought forward in. We're seeing division as people are taking sides on particular issues, even on how to handle this particular circumstance and it's creating hurt and division and brokenness. We're seeing the same political vitriol come out all over the place during this time. We're still seeing acts of hatred and racism and bigotry lead to loss of life and to more brokenness. We're seeing that the elevation of me is still prevalent in so much of our world and we are forgetting the we around us. Those things are kind of normal, to be honest. I don't think that's what we long to go back to. I don't think that that's ultimately what our desire is But I think the most important thing to understand is that normal really isn't the goal. You see, the dictionary defines normal as a conformity to set standards. So normal is whatever conforms to a particular way or view of doing things. The problem with that is who sets those standards? Who decides what's normal and what's not? And I think if we were to look at it, there have been a lot of things that we would have considered normal that weren't good things. And ultimately throughout this time, what I've realized in my own life is that normal doesn't equate to good or to right. Normal typically equates to status quo and comfort. And maybe, just maybe, we are in a season that we have the opportunity to create a new normal. In fact, I don't, I don't even want to create a new normal. I want to create a new weird because ultimately a new normal is just a new set of standards that we're going to conform to and ultimately probably become as, well, numb to as we are to the old normal. But what if we created a new weird, a new way of moving forward, a new way of looking at the world, of being Jesus followers that transformed the way that Jesus followers were viewed by those who are not Jesus followers and transformed the way that we interacted with the world, that we were viewed as weird because we weren't buying into what's normal. To me, that's beautiful. To me, that's hopeful. I don't long to go back to what was. I don't want to go back to normal. I want to bring forward the good things from that. I want to leave behind the broken things. I want to learn from our present circumstances and I want to carry it forward into a new weird. A new weird that allows us to look like Jesus in a world that doesn't. There's a humanitarian. Her name is Sonia Renee Taylor. And she put it this way and I, I love the way that she stated it. She said that we will not go back to normal. Normal never was. Our pre-corona existence was not normal other than we normalized greed, inequity, exhaustion, depletion, extraction, disconnection, confusion, rage, hoarding, hate, and lack. We should not long to return, my friends. We are being given the opportunity to stitch a new garment, one that fits all humanity and nature. The way that she phrases that stitching a new garment, I love that line because to me, it is an opportunity to create. I think for so long, we, 
we've had an attitude of, well, this is just how things are. This is the world we live in and this is the way that we need to operate. But I think that this is a time of being called back to the teachings of Jesus to move forward in a new garment, a new weird that allows for transformation to happen. If you've been a part of Lakeside for any amount of time, you know that our mission is to transform as many people as possible into followers of Jesus. To do that, we have to go back to the teachings of Jesus and recognize that the teachings of Jesus are not going to lead us into a set standard from the world, a status quo that's approved by everyone around us. Rather, that Jesus' teachings are going to lead us into a new kind of weird where the set standard comes from God. And that's something beautiful. There are two great discourses in all of the New Testament. These two discourses are Jesus' largest stretches of teaching recorded. One we find in Matthew, and, and we talk about it quite frequently. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew 5 through 7. And in this, Jesus covers a wide array of teaching and subject matter. This, this passage, the Sermon on the Mount, is considered the foundation and the basis for all Christian teaching and ethic. It is the foundation for the Christian life moving forward, what we are called to live out. But there's this other section where Jesus has a long discourse and it comes from the gospel of Luke. It's called the Sermon on the Plain and it's in Luke chapter six. And so if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open up to Luke six. And we're gonna look at just a few verses there because I believe that these passages along with the Sermon on the Mount are the foundation for stitching this new garment, for this new weird that we are going to be stepping into. I believe that if we use this time to realign ourselves with the teaching of Jesus, that when we come out on the other side of this, we will stand out in the best possible way and open up the greatest opportunity to see people transformed by the grace of God. And we're going to see that God is moving. Now, as you're turning there, one of the things that I love about this time that we're in right now is we're beginning to see a shift in the church and in particular within followers of Jesus to understanding what the church really is. You know, we're, we're at 745 right now and we're in our building, but guess what? I, I'm the only one standing here with a couple of wonderfully handsome camera guys, but no one's here, but it doesn't mean that the church is closed. In fact, the church has never been closed because the church isn't the building the church is the people. And I think there's been a renewal in the spirit to show the church that he will not be confined to a building. We have seen people during this time of quarantine come into relationships with Jesus, re-engage their faith in new ways and grow in their maturity of following after Jesus. See, the threads of that new garment are already being stitched together. But in Luke chapter six, I want us to look at just a couple of passages. And they're relatively short. We're not gonna go over the whole thing. We don't have all the time in the world to do that. But I just wanna highlight a couple of things that this section of scripture covers much of what is talked about in Matthew five and through seven in the Sermon on the Mount. But in this last section, Luke 6, 27, all the way down through 45, Jesus covers kind of three areas. He covers the idea of loving your enemy. He covers the idea of judging others. And then he talks about good and bad fruit. Now we've heard the idea of loving our neighbor as ourself. We talk about that a lot. In fact, to many people that feels like old hat. And as I recall, actually, I preached a message on loving your neighbor just a few weeks ago. And it's a great focal point for us. 
But Jesus takes it one step further and and think of this as those threads coming together and being stitched together for this new garment. Jesus doesn't just say, love your neighbor. He says, love your enemy. In verse 27 says, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Jesus is up in the game here. Love your enemy. Bless those who curse you, the people that talk bad about you. Now, whether your enemy is a real enemy or a perceived enemy, or whether they have placed themselves in that role or you have placed them there, if you have an enemy as a follower of Jesus, your calling, the foundation, the Christian ethic is to love them. So I would ask, how are you demonstrating love to your enemy during this time? And what does that look like going forward? Maybe your enemy right now is someone who disagrees with you on a variety of issues. Maybe it's someone on the other side of the political aisle. Maybe it's someone on the other side of the quarantine aisle. Maybe it's someone who has not followed the social distancing guidelines and is throwing parties down the street and you're paranoid. Maybe it's someone who simply has disregarded the emotional place that you are in and criticized you for feeling hurt or broken or lonely or isolated or depressed. And they're just saying, get over it. Whoever your enemy is, how are you stepping out to love them? And coming out of this, how will you continue to step out in loving them? You see, Jesus wraps up that section in verse 36. He says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. The best way to view the world around us is not through our own lens, but through the lens of God. And if God looked at us while we were still sinners and sent his son to die for us as an act of love, then what should we be doing in our ethic as followers of Jesus? We should be looking to love those who may be our enemies and demonstrate that love. And this isn't that kind of half-hearted love where it's, well, I love them because I don't want them to go to hell in the future, but right now I'm still gonna be a jerk to them. That, that's not love. That, that is not qualifying as what Jesus has called us to. This is real, tangible, agape love where we are stepping out and saying, you know what? I know you're hurt. I know you're broken, just like me. And I know that the cause of the tension between us, the reason that we are on other sides of this issue or this subject, the reason that we're enemies is because our brokenness is manifesting in this relationship. And since God viewed me and my brokenness as someone worthy to be loved, I will view you and your brokenness as someone who is worthy to be loved. And when we do that, we will start to stitch that garment together a little bit more. We'll start to look a little weird because people are going to think, no, that's your enemy. You, you hate your enemies. You don't love them. And we say, no, that's not what I'm called to. But then Jesus goes on again and he skips down into verse 37. He says, do not judge and you will not be judged. In verse 41, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? In other words, why are we so concerned about where everyone else stands before God rather than concerned about where we are before God? It's very easy to point the finger at what everyone else is doing wrong and why they're wrong and what they get wrong and everything about them being wrong and to neglect looking at ourselves and saying, you know what, here's why I'm wrong. Here's what I do wrong. Here's what I need to work on in my life in order to grow closer to Jesus. 
You see, if we can identify and understand our own brokenness, it actually helps us with that first part we talked about. If I understand the plank in my own eye and my brokenness, it makes it a whole lot easier to understand that broken people need loved and my enemies need loved. And therefore I'm going to direct my love towards them. That I need to do a self-assessment. There is nothing important about assessing other people. That's not our job. That's God's job. We need to quit usurping God's job and taking it on ourselves. If we begin to look at ourselves and assess ourselves more than we assess those around us, we begin to look weird. It's way too easy to jump on the criticism bandwagon. It's way too easy to judge others than it is to actually assess and judge ourselves. But if we do that in our new weirdness, in our new normal, we'll begin to look different. We start to slowly build up this different image of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And no longer are followers of Jesus the ones who are doing the condemning of others. The followers of Jesus are the ones who have an accurate picture of themselves and love others. And it begins to change the whole dynamic. But I believe that it's actually culminated in this last section In verse 45 of chapter six, it says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And that's a convicting statement. That what comes out of my mouth, the the things that I say about people, the criticisms that I have, the judgments that I exercise, all of that comes from a place within me. And it's really actually more of a condemnation of myself than it is of those people or those things that I'm speaking about. And the question becomes, what's in our heart? Is our heart filled with the love of God and the spirit? And what does that even look like? Or is our heart filled with brokenness and anger? And is that what's flowing out of us? I believe that so often in the circumstances that we're in, in in the current situation, and even in our old normal, that so much of what flows out of us is actually stemming from fear. We fear the unknown. We fear the other, whoever that is. We fear those that we disagree with. And so out of that fear comes vitriol. It comes division. It comes disunity. Out of that becomes all of these broken things in this world. But when we step into the love of Jesus, it replaces all of those things in us because perfect love casts out fear. And out of that fear and all those awful things that come, a transformation starts to happen because the love of God takes over and it begins to look different. And that love starts to come up out of us. And we begin to think, wow, Jesus loved me. I should do this. So the question becomes really this new garment that we're stitching together, what does it really ultimately look like? Well, here's what it's going to look like. It's going to look like a people who are known for what they are for. You know what we're for? We're for people encountering Jesus. It's going to look like people loving those they disagree with. It's going to look like people not biting on those Facebook posts that drive you up the wall or contributing to the divisive vitriol that is out there, but rather recognizing that the ultimate purpose of a follower of Jesus is not to have a particular agenda, win or be right, but rather the ultimate goal of a follower of Jesus is to look like Christ and to advocate for Christ. And we advocate for Christ, not through 
loud words through a megaphone, not through certain Facebook posts that if you believe this, then type amen. But rather we believe and we reflect Christ and we advocate for Christ through acting like Jesus. And we step into his grace and his mercy. And so our new garment, our new normal, our new weird is to not look like the brokenness of the world, but to look like the hope of Jesus. And so as you begin to evaluate, as you begin to look for the application in your life, ask yourself, is what I'm saying or is what I'm doing or is what I'm thinking advocating for the hope of Jesus? Does it look like Jesus? Because my hope is that when we come out of quarantine, when shelter in place is lifted and we can fill this room again and we are back out in the world today that we don't just default back to what was because what was wasn't working. But rather that we stitch this new garment of beauty and hope and grace and love that transforms those it comes into contact with that ultimately people will see Jesus in a new way through a church with a redeemed hope and a passion for the future. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, may we learn from this time. May we identify what was not working and leave that behind. May we carry forward the things that were and Lord, from the things that have arisen in this time that are beautiful and hopeful and wonderful and reflective of you, God, may we carry those things forward. God, may we learn to love as you love. May we learn to focus on assessing ourselves more than assessing others. And Lord, may we rest in your love so that it fills us up and that what pours out of us is the good that comes from you. God, let us be a people on mission. Give us a passion to be weird and to be people who love you and love those around us. God, let us be a people known for the hope that we have and let us reframe that image in the world. Coming out of this, Lord, let us learn the lessons we need to and grow in the ways that we need to. God, we give this time to you and we follow your calling. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening. I just want to encourage and remind you again that these are the times that we as Christ followers get to shine and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Rest assured that his promises will never fail us and that he is in control. I would also love to invite you one more time to check out one of our live streams this weekend. We believe that community is important and these live streams are a great way to connect with your family and friends and worship God while we are all at home. Have a great week. Go with God.